0: Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the opportunity to praise you this morning in this place. Um, Lord, we're about ready to open the word and to study it again. I know some have already studied it this morning in their classes. But Lord, we come together this morning as a large group to study your word. And I pray this morning, God, that you would give us an appetite for it, that we would want it, that we would desire it, that what we would take, Lord, what we would hear, um, we would in, in just do it, that we would apply it to our lives. Father, that we may live to be fruitful for your kingdom. Lord, we know that you have great blessings lined up for those who believe. We pray this morning that we may be counted among the blessed in that way. Thank you for what your son did for us to give us the victory. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you last week that we were beginning a series. And. That'll be next week. No, that is not some ploy to get you to keep coming back. It is not. Some of you may notice there's a wire up here. Some of you are probably upset that you have to look around this big, huge wire to see the screen. The wire is part of the reason why we had to push this series back another week. You'll understand it better by and by. This morning, would you open to Matthew chapter 13. You'll see also in your, um, in your discussion questions, you're digging deeper through the week questions, those are also going to be some questions that are going to be discussed in some of the small groups tonight. My, my small group and a couple others, um, we, we go over those. We talk about those discussion questions from the morning sermon a little bit more. Those and other questions also. But this morning, we're talking about a recipe for a fruitful heart. And the... Uh, If you think about it, and I I want to believe this, so I hope I'm right, when I say that I really believe that every one of us wants to live a fruitful life. And that I really believe, deep down, every one of us wants to be a fruitful Christian. And what I mean by that is a believer that is truly bearing fruit from our lives. We want that. I want that. And I, I believe you want that as well. But the problem comes sometimes is that what we want is not always a reality in our life. We may walk out of church, I know I've been there before, I've walked out of church and felt, felt down and depressed because, man, I'm not really living up to what I should be living up to, or, man, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but man, I just feel so far away from that. Well, Jesus, in this parable of the sower, really outlined for us the, one of the key ingredients because as a believer, let me tell you, it is impossible to live the life and, and, and be a fruitful believer a fruit-bearing follower of Christ. It is impossible to be a fruit-bearing follower of Christ apart from the Word of God. And Jesus here is telling us, is showing us that relationship between the Word of God and our lives. He, through this short parable, outlines for us those things that stand in the way and hinder that seed, which the word is described as in this parable, would hinder that seed from actually bearing fruit. So this morning what we're doing is we're going through and looking at each one of these different elements. Um, we're looking at each one of these different development areas of the, the fruit and s- looking at what causes them, what, what plays a role in keeping those seeds from coming to the place of bearing fruit. So we can extrapolate from that at the end and say, okay, if this is what is keeping this seed from bearing fruit and we can understand that then we can go back and look and say okay well then if I want to be a fruit bearing Christian if I want to be that Christian who is who is truly bearing this fruit for the name of Jesus Christ for my life then I can look at these as guidelines that's the purpose of this message this morning to look at what Jesus said was a recipe for a fruitful heart this story in Matthew that we're reading is also told in Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 7 excuse me Luke chapter 8, so you can do some uh, more study, further study on your own um, in the other Gospels. But I want you to look in chapter 13, verse number 1 through 9, and then I'm going to jump over as he explains it in verse 18 to 23. It says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables. "...saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, or spread seed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns." and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on the good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let me just tell you the next verse. And the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? The disciples in the other Gospels came to him and said, we don't get it. You ever been there before? You read it and you're like, I don't get it. A parable is a story that Jesus is using, using a picture of something they were familiar with to teach them something they were not familiar with. He would often use agrarian in that lifestyle. Being an agrarian lifestyle, he would use plants and seed and soil and weather conditions to teach something about the kingdom of God. And he teaches this to them and they're all like, "Okay, it sounds good, but I don't get it. So Jesus, the master teacher, realizing they're not understanding it, they're not grabbing a hold of it, he's not speaking for speaking's sake, he's speaking for the purpose that they would get it and retain it and apply it. He goes on in verse 18 to speak about what the answer is. He helps them fill in the blanks. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who receives seed on stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he Excuse me, he who receives on the good ground is he He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. Who indeed bears fruit, some produces 60, 130 fold. Took me a minute to get there. Who's the sower in this story? Go ahead and answer. A sower, not a seamstress. Jesus in the story, right? He's out there teaching the kingdom principles. He says that the seed is the kingdom of God, is the teaching of the kingdom of God. So he is saying that I, he's saying as I'm sowing this, as I'm taking this, it's a seed and I'm throwing it out. So Jesus in this in this moment is a picture of the person who's going out and sowing the seed, casting the seed, broadcasting if you will. And he goes on to say that the seed represents the word of God, the things that are coming out of his mouth. So, after we understand who the seed and who the, what the seed and who the sower is, we can begin to look at the Scripture a little more deeper now because we see that God's Word is being communicated. In this instance, it's through God. For us this morning, it would be me sharing the Word of God with you. Um, in your small group, it would be your leader, or your teacher sharing the Word of God. Anytime it is being sent out there, what are we doing with it? Now, if we know the seed and we know the sower, let's look at the soil conditions, okay? Notice the first one. The wayside. This is cool because Jesus is talking about going out and as he's throwing it, he's saying that some of it doesn't always land where he where it would be the best possible soil. Some of the seed falls out. Any of you that have had little seed, in, in the case, many believe Jesus was speaking about wheat here. But in any case, little seeds, he, as he's throwing it, some's fallen outwards, unintended necessarily. And he says that some fall on the wayside. What is a wayside? What does that mean? If we're going to really understand the Scripture, what does it mean that it fell on the wayside? The wayside in Jesus' day was the, literally the, 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 the path that people walked on. Sometimes it would be beside a road. Sometimes if they were sowing, they would sow in certain rows, and as they were walking through there, they would pat the ground down as they would walk. You've seen it before. Tilled soil that gets walked on soon begins to be, get hardened on top. And what Jesus was referring to in the wayside was that hard path, that worn down path that people walked on. And he said that the seed, some of the seed landed there. And he goes on to describe that it didn't even get down into the earth. It didn't even get covered up with the soil. It would hit the ground and probably even bounce because the ground was so hard and the birds would see it. They'd see that seed sitting down there instead of Instead of thinking of anything else, immediately those birds would think, man, that's meal. And they would fly down there and grab that grain and take it off because it's set on top of the soil. Because it never got put down into the soil where all of the elements would be right for it to begin the life process and come out of the kernel and begin to grow. It couldn't grow setting on top of the soil. Jesus is describing different soil types. Different uh, opportunities for that seed to grow. And this one, he says, never happened. This one, no sprout came out from the seed. It never saw life. All it was was a seed setting on hard soil for some time before the birds of the air came and snatched it away. The problem was that they didn't ever allow the seed in. Jesus says that they don't understand You may think, well, pastor, I've heard messages and I've read things in Scripture and didn't understand them. When he's speaking about not understanding, it's not so much that they couldn't get it. Understand this for a minute. It's not that they couldn't get it, but they chose not to. In the original Greek, what he was saying was they give no thought to it. So they hear the word, it's come to them, it's gotten in their ears, but they do not value what they're hearing. They, oh no, never mind, I'm not worried about that, or no, no, it's going to cost me something, no, 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 it's going to be a challenge, no, 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 that's too hard, no, 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 what are other people going to think? You don't even give it an opportunity, you never allow it into your life. You may hear it, but you choose to not believe it, and definitely not believing it, you're not going to apply it to your life. This is a life, a heart that has been hardened, in this case, by constant walking on it. If you think about it, this heart has been trampled. This heart has been seen nothing but the bottom of other people's feet. And if you think about it, sometimes in our life, we may be hardened through life. We may feel stepped on or walked on. We may be upset at God. We may be angry, feeling as though God has done something unjust to us. And we may hear the word and we instead of receiving it and believing it and putting it in our life, we may say, no, that's not for me. I'm not even going to give it another thought and cast it back behind us. The reason it didn't work was the heart was hard, trampled, pressed down. The result was stolen word. The result was that which could have given them life. That which could have been truly beneficial to them was snatched away. The Bible says Jesus said that they didn't believe. In another gospel, it says that they weren't even saved. These people heard the gospel. They heard the teaching of Jesus Christ. But because of the hardness of heart, not allowing that word by belief, acceptance, and application, they cast it out, and before long, it was gone. You know, something, if you think about it, one of the ways that we can overcome that one of the remedies for this problem right here is obviously we need to have a sensitive heart we need to be able to walk into our church our bible study or our personal prayer time and be able to condition our heart till on our heart if you will before we ever get to the point where we're hearing or reading the word maybe when you pull up in your car and you're sitting in the parking lot I would encourage you to just bow your head and say God I know I'm going to hear many things from the word today that are going to challenge me but I know that those words are good because they're from your word. They're your words. And I would encourage you as you bow your head say, God, help me do what I hear today. Do what I hear today. I see some of you um, have notebooks. And as I'm preaching you, you jot down notes or you, you jot down thoughts as they're going. You know what I call those? I call those spiritual doggy bags. Because if you think about it, you you know when you go out to a a meal and there's too much food and you're thinking, man, it's good food. I don't want to throw it away. I'll take it home and eat it later. Your notebook is really kind of a spiritual doggy bag. You can jot down thoughts and things from the message and you know what? You can go home and eat them later. Don't even have to heat them up. No extra charge. It's all free. Notice the second one. Hard heart. Would not let the truth in was not going to accept it, was not going to believe it, was not going to apply it. The second one is the shallow heart, the stony places. The problem is that the plant dies. It gets further. It gets further than the seed that was sitting on top of the hard ground. It actually goes down in, but there's not much dirt. There's not much nourishment for the plant to be able to draw to build those roots. It's literally setting in stony places and all the nourishment it's able to get is the little rim of soil that may be be lining around the outside of the rock. The reason it dies? No deep root system. Can I show you something awesome in this story? Jesus, it it shouldn't surprise us, that He who created everything knows how to put together the perfect story. You know? If he created it, man, he he can teach us some awesome things. Jesus said that they received the word with joy and they began to grow. I picture in my mind just this little bitty plant starting to grow and the tender leaves are starting to to poke out through the stem and, and all of a sudden something happens. The sun comes up. And the sun scorches it because it doesn't have A sufficient root system. There's not enough depth in the roots to be able to provide life. Isn't it funny that Jesus, when he describes this parable, he refers to the Son as persecution and tribulation because of the Word. Now, Think about this for a minute. He says that that sun that is scorching that plant that has no root system, the sun actually kills it. But the sun in this story is a picture of persecution and tribulation that comes because of the word. Because that person said, yes, I hear the kingdom principle. I hear that Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And that person starts putting that into practice. Loving God more than any other thing in their life. And you know what? As they start doing that, they realize it's not an easy road. And people start hating them for it, or people start changing their attitudes towards that person, or or whatever could be the case when we live in obedience to the Word. And what Jesus is saying is they hear, they see this tribulation, they see this persecution as a result of being obedient to the Word, and all of a sudden they say, I'm done! I'm finished, man. If this is what this road of Christianity is like, I'm out of it. I'm done. And I think it's incredibly ironic that the sun is essential for the plant to grow. It's not going to grow without sunlight. And the very thing that was supposed to give it life and make it stronger was what was used to destroy it because it didn't have a good Root system. What does this Christian look like? What does this person look like? It's a person, I believe, that believes that once they become a Christian, the road with Jesus Christ is going to be paved with gold down here, that it's going to be easy and simple, and that there are not going to be any trials or tribulations. Forgive me if I have ever led anyone to believe that the path of Jesus Christ is an easy path. I apologize, because it's not. It's a challenge. It's a challenge every moment, every day, every decision is a challenge in order to live going against the current of the world. It's a a challenge to make a decision to obey God and choose to live submitted to His will rather than our own. It is definitely a challenge. How do we... Minimal growth, no fruit. How do we remedy the problem? We deepen our roots. We deepen our roots. How do we deepen our roots? Deepen our relationship with Christ. Dive into the Word. Get to know our God better. Another way we can deepen our roots is to to hang out with other believers, to spend time learning with and from other Christians, to have a support system. That helps us in the middle of those difficult times. Remember the same sun that destroyed this plant. Was the one that could have given it life. Had its roots been deeper. Notice the third plant. The one sown among the thorns. What was its problem? It was choked out. What was the reason? The thorns choked it out. So this seed falls in a place where weeds were growing. In the agriculture world, there's only so much, or only so many nutrients in the soil. And those of you know you have to take, when you're planting a garden, you have to continue to fertilize it. When you're when you're going out, because those nutrients turn into go into the plant, they turn into the they go into the fruit and it takes those plants, take those nutrients out of the soil. And what Jesus was saying was the seed falls around the thorns and before long, those thorns, as they grow, they begin to choke out, choke out the plant that was sown. So it passed the seed stage. Began to grow, actually. And we get the impression that it even got to a, a big, tall plant. But it fell short. Of producing fruit. What does choked out mean? Jesus tells us. In chapter 13, he refers to choking out the plant. As the cares of this world. The cares of this world. What does he mean? When the word of God stands in contrast to the things of the world This person chose the things of this world over the things of God's word. This person was willing to compromise their belief in what the word of God said for the cares of the world. He goes on to say that's not the only thing that choked it out. The deceitfulness of riches. These people realized, believed in their life that money was truly the answer to all things. The money became a driving factor, a driving force in their life. Decisions now were not made off of the word of God, but were based off of money or power or prestige. And When it came to the word or money, they chose money over the word. In Luke chapter 8, Luke records another reason why the plant was choked out. The pleasures of life. The pleasures of life. These people would have much rather lived a life unrestrained. They'd much rather live a life the way they wanted to do it, the way everybody else was doing it, rather than to follow the path to walk in the word that Jesus had given them. That's Luke 8:14. and Mark chapter four, verse 19. Mark describes it like this. It was choked out because it just had desire for other things. Word of God, just the way of God, the will of God, the person of God, just really didn't hold much of an interest to them anymore in comparison with all the other things that were around them. You might remember there was a man by the name of Demos. He was a partner with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He had had journeyed with them on... Mission trips had been a part of, of, God, of seeing God do some amazing things. And in one of Paul's final letters, he writes and he says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That one man, Demas, has stood as a, as a reminder and a warning to us that it is so, each one of us is just one step away from living for the pleasures of the world rather than honoring our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Demas, who had seen so many amazing things, Seen God work in some incredible ways through miracles and the starting of churches and the advancement of the gospel. Decided, nope, I'm going to cash it all in. I would much rather live for the world, he says. What's the result? No fruit. Each one of these seeds, according to Jesus' story, died at varying degrees of life. The seed that landed on the hard heart that would not obey, would not do, would not apply the word to their life, that seed never even got to put down roots. The second one got to put down roots, but they were pretty shallow. And before long, the thing that was supposed to give them life actually scorched them because they didn't deepen their relationship, because they didn't deepen their roots in the relationship with God. They ended up dying before they ever got to the fruit-bearing age. The third one, they were actually starting to bear fruit, but the vines, the thorns began to steal all the nutrients. They allowed all of their resources to go to the weeds rather than to go to the purpose of bearing fruit. By the way, you know, I, some of you guys use um, Roundup to kill weeds. Do you know how that works? It's interesting. When you spray the Roundup on it, it doesn't necessarily go to the roots. It goes to the leaf. And what's interesting about that is it has a way of blocking the sun to be able to work to form chlorophyll in the leaf. So it actually, it actually diminishes the work of the sun on the plant. You and I, those things that separate us, I'm sure that that plant was choked out, not just because the nutrients were gone, but because the thorns grew so much bigger and would eventually cloud the sun from being able to take it to have its effect on the little plant. Even though they died at varying degrees, All three of them were guilty of never producing fruit. Notice what Jesus said the fourth plant was. He who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word. We're there, we've heard. Understands it. Person that gives it thought. Rolls it around. Chooses to believe it, applies it to their life, says yes. I'll, I I want to do things God's way. I'm going to to allow this word to fit into this situation. I'm going to apply this truth to my marriage, and I'm going to apply this truth to my 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 alone time. I want to apply this truth to me as a parent. And That's what that means. It's a person who hears it, invites it in, accepts it, and does it. But Jesus said that they. They didn't all produce the same. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. There were even varying degrees of fruit production. Let me just end it on this for a minute. What is fruit in this story? Because Jesus is placing this all around fruit bearing. Remember as a believer. Fruit is not manufactured, it's grown. Fruit grows from life. In this story, what is fruit? Fruit is when the plant reproduces itself. When wheat begins producing wheat. When apples begin producing apples. Do you know what Jesus has commissioned the church with doing? What our great and lofty commission is? To make disciples of all nations. Jesus is asking, is calling, is commissioned, has empowered us to do what? To re- Produce ourselves to be disciples who make disciples, who make disciples who make disciples. It's, it's this process of us as a church realizing what a disciple is, a follower of Christ, becoming that. And as we are a disciple, pouring into the lives of other people to become disciples. That's what fruit is. Fruit is the reproduction of itself. If we want to gauge our growth, Let's not gauge our growth, or spiritual maturity, by how high or how tall we've grown. Let's not gauge our spiritual maturity by how many flowers or blooms are on us or how broad our leaves are or how green our stalk is or even how deep our root is. Let us gauge our success in spiritual maturity by how well are we reproducing ourselves. How many disciples... Are we making not as an individ, not as not as a church body alone but individually as a soul kernel? How am I fitting into god's discipleship process? Who am I leading to the Lord? Who am I communicating the truths that I have learned and believed to be true? Who am I mentoring? Who am I walking with in this discipleship journey? That's a seed when it Produces itself. God is awesome. People look out at the world. And they attempt to explain away what we so clearly see. That it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a few molecules coming together. We believe that God created this whole doggone thing. And not only did he create it. But he spins it and holds it in its orbit. One of the things that amazes me about this creator, and I'll end with this, is that just because a seed hits the ground or goes in the ground, just because of where it's at does not mean that that seed is going to begin to sprout. God has placed within that seed the knowledge, the understanding, something So that that seed will not begin to break open and come out and sprout until the conditions are right. Isn't that awesome? That seed can sit in the ground. If the conditions aren't right, it ain't coming out. It's like me in the winter. When those conditions are right, I'll start to sprout. Here's what I tell you. I believe God has been sowing seed in your life for days, weeks, weeks months years and maybe that seed has been sitting right there dormant haven't really walked in it you haven't really held on to it but you know what it just won't let you go you know what maybe right now maybe today maybe this moment god has said you know what those conditions are right it's time to not just hear that word but to believe it to do it I'm going to ask you this morning as we have our time of response. I want you to ask yourself, which one of these plants best represents you? Are you the lost one? Stony? Are you the one that's on the hard ground? Are you the one on the stony ground right now and you need a root system. Are you the one being choked out by the cares of this world and you're ready to pull some weeds in your spiritual garden? Or are you the one producing fruit? Are you the one producing 30, feeling like you've done all right? Are you the one producing 60? Well, you've produced more than some, but maybe not as much as others. Are you the one producing a hundredfold? The one doing all you possibly can for the kingdom of God. Father, we hear so many things in our life. And I'm convinced as believers it's not we do not perish because of a lack of information. We don't perish, God, I believe, because of a lack of seed. But because of poor conditions for soil, poor, poor heart conditions. Father, you know where we are. You know how long for some that seed is set dormant in their life. And today, God, I pray that you communicate to each heart that the conditions are right. It's time to start sprouting. Father, help us to be a church that is focused on your mission. The only thing we're supposed to be concerned about, making disciples of all nations. Father, move in our midst, move in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray.